promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, KHNC, 1360 AM, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort. Bleed stop. Clinically proven and FDA cleared to stop even arterial bleeds. Pour it into the wound, apply direct pressure, and clotting occurs in seconds. No stinging or burning. Minor cuts or major wounds. Bleed stop is a must for first aid kits, backpacks, and trauma bags. Find Bleed Stop by clicking on the Bleed Stop button on the 1360 KHNC webpage. Products and prices listed on the KHNC website are 20% off the regular Bleed Stop website prices. Get yours today. The Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too. Don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa 1811 Hover Street Suites A and B Longmont, Colorado 720-680-0492 720-680-0492 This is Ron Tafoya, owner and operator of New Method Cleaners, Northern Colorado's oldest dry cleaners. Men's clothing to women's fashions, we clean it all. Give us a call with all your cleaning questions. If we don't clean it, we might have a solution. We have two locations to serve you in Severance and Fort Collins. Please call us at 970-775-0623. 970-775-0623. Off-Road Automotive offers a wide range of used automobiles for all of your off-road and on-road needs. From classic Jeep CJ7s to high-end sporty Corvettes and everyday commuters, they have a vehicle for you. Bad credit or no credit, no problem. Their professional finance team has you covered. Give them a visit at 1392 Denver Avenue in Fort Lupton or give them a call at 303-502-3230. The Tree Farm's 50-cent tree sale is going on now. Choose from thousands of carry-out-sized trees that are easy to handle and easy to plant. While supplies last, buy the first tree at regular price and mix or match a second tree for only 50 cents. Thousands of shade trees, flowering trees, fruit trees, evergreen trees, ornamental trees, and more. Also, huge savings on shrubs and perennials. You Come take see. I-25 to exit 235, then five miles west to the Tree Farm. Need pain relief? Gruska's Topical Mist Spray-On Water-Based Carbon 60 Suspension quickly absorbs into the skin, penetrating into muscles and joints to help reduce oxidative stress and inflammation. Spray it on to mist away your pain. Visit c-60.com or call 720-600-6040. Be sure to tell them that Naturally Inspired Radio sent you. The views and opinions expressed on 1360 KHNC are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Excursion Broadcasting Network. All of us here at KHNC want to thank you for being supporters and listeners of this station. We would like to wish you a happy and safe Thanksgiving. We hope you enjoy the following special Thanksgiving program. Now, the story of the pilgrims begins in the early part of the 17th century. The Church of England, under King James I, was persecuting anyone and everybody 
who did not recognize the church's absolute civil and spiritual authority, actually the state. Now, those who challenged the ecclesiastical authority and those who believe strongly in freedom of worship were hunted down. It's in England in the 1600s. They were hunted down. They were imprisoned, sometimes executed for what they believed. So a group of separatists, people that didn't want any part of this, fled first to Holland. They liked wooden shoes and cheese. They established a community. They were there for 11 years. After 11 years, about 40 of these separatists who liked wooden shoes and cheese agreed to make a perilous journey to the New World. They had heard about it. Some new exciting place hadn't been developed. They knew that they were going to face hardship. Hardship like you and I don't know. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm just telling you, we don't know the hardship these people endured. We can't. We are way too advanced now. People who lived in the 1600s would not believe life today. <laughs> Try to explain flight, jet travel. They wouldn't understand it. They knew they were facing hardship. But paramount importance to them was living freely and worshiping God according to the dictates of their own consciences, their own beliefs. That's what they were denied the freedom to do in England. So, August 1st, 1620, the Mayflower set sail. There were a total of 102 passengers, including 40 of these separatists, the pilgrims. There were just 40 of them. They were led by a man named William Bradford. Remember his name. On the journey across the Atlantic, you talk about something that had to be frightening and scary. The Mayflower was not much bigger than a 50-foot boat. 102 people on it. On the journey, William Bradford set up an agreement, a contract, if you will, that established just and equal laws for all members, all 40 members of this pilgrim community. Didn't matter what their religious beliefs were. These were the laws they were all agreeing to live by. Now, where did these laws, these ideas, come from? We're talking about the Mayflower Compact is what Bradford wrote. The Mayflower Compact derived from the Bible. The pilgrims were a people completely steeped in the Bible, Old and New Testaments. They were a devoutly religious people. No matter what else is said about them, even that is denied, they were devoutly religious. They looked to the ancient Israelites for much of their example, and because of the biblical precedent set forth in Scripture, they never doubted, because of their faith in God, that their experiment would work. They never doubted they would get to the new world. They never doubted that once they got there, they would thrive. The journey was long. It was arduous. It was dangerous. 
And when they finally landed, when the pilgrims finally landed in New England in November, according to William Bradford's detailed journal, they found a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. Imagine New England as it exists today as nothing but rocks, forest, undeveloped nature in November and getting colder. There were no friends to greet. There was no shelter of any kind other than what, you know, hiding under a tree. There was nothing, folks. It was desolate. There were no hotels. There were no inns. There were no places to clean up. There were no houses. To sh- I mean, this was real hardship. The sacrifice that they had made for the freedom to worship was just beginning. During that first winter, remember they arrive in November, during that first winter, half of them, including William Bradford's own wife, died of starvation, of sickness, exposure to the elements. Now we're getting close to what you were taught in school. When spring finally came, and by the way, writing that doesn't do it justice. Spring didn't just finally came. It was a survival. It was an act of survival that you and I cannot possibly relate to or understand. American special forces can. Military people who've been trained can understand what the pilgrims were. You and I can't. We've never done anything like that first winter. In the New World. They survived it. Spring finally came. They did meet the Indians, the Native Americans who were there, who did help them in planting corn and fishing for cod. They showed them where the beavers were so the beavers could be skinned for coats other things. You animal rights people are not going to like some of this story, but it it happened. But even at this, even, even with this degree of assistance from the Indians and Native Americans, there wasn't any prosperity yet. They had the Mayflower Compact. They had these laws they were living by, but there was no prosperity yet. I wonder why. Now, this is important to understand here, folks, because this is where Modern American history lessons end with the Indians teaching the pilgrims how to eat, how to fish, how to skin beavers and all that. That's where it ends. And that's the feel-good story. But that doesn't even get close to the true story. You know, Thanksgiving is actually explained in some textbooks as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives. It wasn't. That it that happened, but Thanksgiving was a devout expression of gratitude. The pilgrims to God for their survival and everything that was a part of it. Now here's the part that has been omitted. The original contract the pilgrims entered into 
in Holland. They had sponsors. They didn't have the money to do this trip on their own. They had sponsors. There were merchant sponsors in London and in Holland. And these merchant sponsors demanded that everything that the pilgrims produced in the New World would go into a common store. A single bank, if you will. And that each member of the pilgrim community was entitled to one share. So everybody had an equal share of whatever was in that bank. All of the land they cleared, all of the houses they built, belonged to that bank, to the community as well. And they were going to distribute it equally because they were going to be fair. So all of the land that they cleared and all the houses they built belonged to everybody, belonged to the community, belonged to the bank, belonged to the common store. Nobody owned anything. They just had an equal share in it. It was a commune. The pilgrims established a commune, essentially. Forerunner of the communes we saw in the 60s and 70s out in California. They even had their own organic vegetables, by the way. Yep, the pilgrims, forerunners in organic vegetables. Of course, what else could there be? No such thing as processed anything back then. Now, William Bradford, who had become the governor of the colony because he was the leader, recognized that this wasn't going to work. This was costly and destructive, and it wasn't, it just wasn't working. It was collectivism. It was socialism. It wasn't working. That first winter had taken a lot of lives. The manpower was greatly reduced. So William Bradford decided to take bold action, which I will describe when we get back here. So I want to get back to where we left off. William Bradford, the governor of the Pilgrim community saw that none of this was working. The Mayflower Compact was not working. Giving everybody a single share of stock in the common store, in the common bank, was not working. Collectivism. It was, it was as costly and destructive to the pilgrims as it is and has been to anybody who has ever tried it. So Bradford decided to scrub it. He just he threw it out and took bold action. He assigned a plot of land to each family. Every family was given a plot of land. They could work it, manage it, however they wanted to. If they just wanted to sit on it, get fat, dumb, happy, and lazy, they could. If they wanted to develop it, if they wanted to grow corn, whatever on it, they could. If they wanted to build on it, they could do that. If they wanted to turn it into a, a quasi-business, they could do whatever they wanted to do with it. He turned loose the power of the capitalist marketplace. Long before Karl Marx was even born, long before Karl Marx was a sperm cell in his father's dreams, 
the Pilgrims had discovered and experimented with what could only be described as socialism, and they found that it didn't work. Now, it wasn't called that then, but that's exactly what it was. Everybody was given an equal share. And you know what happened? Nobody did anything. There was no, there was no incentive. Nothing worked. Nothing happened. What Bradford and his community found was that the most creative and industrious people had no incentive to work any harder than anybody else did, unless they could utilize the power of personal motivation. But while most of the rest of the world has been experimenting with socialism for over 100 years longer now, trying to refine it, perfect it, reinvent it, the pilgrims decided early on to scrap it permanently. What Bradford wrote about this experiment should be in every school child's history lesson. If it were, we might prevent so much suffering. We might have prevented this election if the true story of Thanksgiving had been taught for years and years and years. And I'll tell you what Bradford wrote and how they fixed it when we get back after this. So William Bradford, after putting everybody in a common store, the Mayflower Compact, they wanted to be fair. They wanted everybody to have one common share of stock and everything that happened that the pilgrims produced, and it bombed. It didn't work. There was no prosperity. There was no creativity because there was no incentive. Here's what Bradford wrote about the failure. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent. They were not happy, in other words. This community was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. In other words, nobody worked. The way they set it up killed and discouraged work. There was no need. For young men that were most able and fit for labor and service, sat around and did nothing, should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without being paid for it. They said, why do that? So they didn't. It was thought to be injustice. Why should you work for other people when you can't work for yourself? What's the point? So you hear what he was saying here, folks? The pilgrims found that people could not be expected to do their best work without some incentive. So what did they try? What did Bradford's pilgrim community try next? They unharnished the power of free enterprise. They invoked capitalism, the principle of private property, all the way back in the 1600s. I mean, it was incredible. Every family was assigned its own plot of land, and they could do with it whatever they wanted to do. Bradford wrote, this had very good success, for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. So when profit was introduced, when the opportunity to prosper was introduced, it went gangbusters. That, my friends, is the essence of the 
true story of Thanksgiving. This is where it gets really good. If you're laboring under the misconception that I was, that I was taught in school, they, they set up trading posts, they exchanged goods with the Indians after they had enjoyed this prosperity. It was not the Indians that brought them prosperity, and it's not said to insult anybody. The Indians assisted them on their arrival, undeniably. But what led to prosperity for these original settlers was a discovery that the common store failed. Socialism didn't work when they introduced what turns out to be capitalism. They didn't have the name for it. But when they turned loose individual incentive, keep what you produce, sell what you don't need, they went crazy. This is not something they were taught by anybody but self-experience. It was not the Indians. None of this is said to put anybody down. Don't misunderstand. The Indians did a lot of things that helped them, which I'll get to in just a second. But it was their own industriousness. They set up trading posts. They exchanged goods with the Indians. They sold stuff to them. And those profits allowed them to pay off the debts of their sponsors in London and in Holland. And you know what? The success of that colony, after they had abandoned socialism and tried what was essentially capitalism, the word spread throughout the old world of this massive amount of prosperity that was there for the taking in the new world. And guess what happened? The new world was flooded with new arrivals. The success and the prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. And all it took was prosperity and the word spreading across the Atlantic Ocean of how there, mo there was prosperity and, and it was there for the taking. All you had to do was get there and give it a shot. The lesson is, the true story of Thanksgiving is that William Bradford and his pilgrim community were thanking God for the blessings on their community after the first miserable winter of a documented failure brought on by their attempt at fairness and equality, which was socialism. It didn't work. Only when they abandoned it did it work. And I need to say again, because I don't, I don't want people to be misunderstood, get noses out of joint. The Native Americans, the indigenous peoples, the Indians, whatever you want to call them, they were of considerable assistance, and they were friendly when the pilgrims arrived. But they had little, if anything, to do with the prosperity that occurred, because that was the result of Bradford and the pilgrim leadership deciding to change their structure according to the Mayflower Compact. Now, the Indians assisted, naturally, I can't deny it. I mean, they taught them how to fish and this kind of thing that they didn't know how to do, and that led them to be productive, undeniably so. But it was the pilgrim community itself which experienced this massive prosperity, the word of which spread all the way back to the old world Europe across the 
Atlantic Ocean. Now, I mentioned earlier that uh, the Federalist has a story on all this. And in it, they describe much of what we did in the second book that dealt with this, the children's book, uh, Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. And that book goes into great detail about how the Indians did provide assistance and what kind of assistance it was, how valuable it was, and how crucial it was. And in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims, we focus on a Native American by the name of Squanto. Now, as I told you, during that first winter, 1620, only 44 of the original 102 pilgrims survived. They had an elected governor by the name of John Carver. And it was an Indian by the name of Squanto who came to their rescue. And this is, as I say, explored in great detail in Rush Revere and the Brave Pilgrims. Now, Squanto uh, was no ordinary native. Early settlers in 1610 captured him and sold him into slavery. A group of Catholic friars ended up freeing him, brought him to England where he learned to speak English. In 1618, serving as an interpreter on an English ship, he was brought back to the New World. It was Squanto who is a famous Native American in his own right in the Pilgrim story. It was Squanto who taught the Pilgrims how to plant, how to fish, how to skin beavers. It was Squanto who brokered a peace treaty between the Pilgrims and other Indian tribes. There was more than one tribe of Indians. It was not copacetic. It was not friendly and at one with nature. It was not anything like the multiculturalists would have you believe. There were squabbles, there were power struggles, turf battles. It was human. The Indians, the pilgrims, everybody was scrambling for power, for survival. Survivability was the name of the game, and it was not guaranteed. Now, many of the pilgrims literally believed that God had sent Squanto to save them. And they believe, pilgrims believe that without Squanto, they never would have survived or thrived. And they, they experienced a tremendous harvest in 1621. And that's the big gathering that is taught in the history books. The native Indians and the pilgrims joined together for a huge feast, which is the foundational story of the Thanksgiving story that's taught in public schools. But again, that is not the real story of Thanksgiving. That's the textbook brain. It did happen, but it's so much more than that. And I, I love taking the opportunity every year to explain the truth, especially now given how this election has apparently allegedly fallen out. 
because even as the Federalist side, this is so great that the story is spreading. One of the most important legacies of the early settlers is that they experimented with socialism in the 1620s and it did not work. Private property rights, personal responsibility, saved the Plymouth Colony from extinction and laid the economic foundation for the free and prosperous nation that we all enjoy today. And that is exactly right. And that is the true story of Thanksgiving. And that has been what we have shared with you every Thanksgiving for the past 31 years. Are you looking to sell your excess construction equipment? Trust Steffes Group's team of professionals to get you the best return on your investment. Steffes Group is a nationally recognized leader in the auction business with over 60 years of experience. Their team of professionals prioritize honesty, integrity, and outstanding service, and they work with you every step of the way to ensure a smooth and successful auction process. Go to steffesgroup.com right now to find a sales representative near you and discuss your options today. Hi, this is Rod with PCs and Parts. We wanted to let all of our KHNC listeners know that this Friday, Black Friday, we are having our second annual 25% off all laptops and desktops. You heard it right, 25% off of all laptops and desktops. Go to PCsandparts.com or stop by the Orchard Shopping Center next to the Ace Hardware in Loveland, Colorado. Call us at 970-203-0696. That's 203-0696. A turkey's thoughts at Thanksgiving. I always thought I'd do more with my life. Become a writer, maybe. But it was hard to hold a pencil. I couldn't find a typewriter with a turkey alphabet. It only has five letters, counting the double B. And it didn't seem right to use a quill. Like any young poult, I entertained the idea of becoming a fireman till I found out I was flammable. As I matured, I became active in worthy causes like Free Tom, and the Turkey Anti-Defamation League, and the two-kilometer turkey trot to benefit the Dumb Friends Society, in which turkeys outnumber cows, the next largest species, by a thousand to one. I painted signs for the Turkey Illiteracy Foundation, which was sort of foolish because nobody could read them and I couldn't write. I just drew pictures of turkeys looking at pictures. And, of course, how could I forget the anti-Subway sandwich protest? We held a sit-down strike in front of the local subway till most of us got run over. I went to the snood and wattle-piercing phase. We thought it looked cool. Then our apartment manager put a band around our ankles. You talk about being decked out. We could rattle when we strutted our stuff. But it all went by so quickly, and now I'm in the prime of life. I look at my contemporaries. We're all grown and have big plans. I've been working on an international Turkey Olympics. Maybe hold it in Ankara with events like head bobbing, track leaving, egg laying for weight and distance. Lots of people don't give much thought to a Turkish point of view. They just assume we spend all day gobbling at each other, eating bugs and staring into space. Well, in my case, I spend most of my time trying to think anything, just trying to think anything. And when I put my mind to it, sometimes I get an idea, as you can tell. The hard part is trying to remember what it was. Did I mention politics? I know some of you may believe there are already too many turkeys in office, but I think I might have a chance if I can just establish residence in Florida. Oh, well, people are talking about Thanksgiving. Everybody's going home for the holidays. Turkeys are a big part of it, I'm told. I'm not sure exactly what it is we do, but I hope we do it well. 
and that our contribution is appreciated. This is Rick Rodriguez, host of The Present Truth, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3. Topics, American World Hegemony, The New World Order, Secret Societies, One World Religion, Weather Warfare, International Wars, Transhumanism. Join me, 1360 KHNC. I've learned to stand with people that are in the storm and have courage. And if there's a man out there other than President Trump and just a few others that have really proven their mettle in the furnace, it's Mike Lindell. You're not going to get better towels, better sheets, better slippers, better beds, better hundreds of products made in America anywhere. It's ridiculous how high quality it is, how ridiculous the prices are low. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code KHNC. And now, ladies and gentlemen.
American girls, American guys will always stand up and salute. We'll always recognize when we see old glory flying. There's a lot of men dead, so we can sleep in peace at night when we lay down our heads. My daddy served in the army where he lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that it died, it wanted my mother, my brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love has fallen under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. As soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the Fourth of July. Time you rattle the cage, you'll be sorry that you messed with the U.S. of A. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's Hi folks, I'm James Morgan, a realtor with Grisham & Associates, LLC. I know it must seem like there's a million realtors out there making all kinds of promises. Want to hear my big marketing promise? I promise honest and fair dealings with all those I do business with. That may sound old-fashioned, and it is not very catchy, but it is true. I am your Colorado real estate specialist, farmland, mountain cabins, or urban dwellings. When you work with my team, we'll get the right property for you and be upfront and honest with you every step of the way. Over the years, my clients have told me just that fact alone separates us from others in the industry. If you are considering buying or selling real estate, call me, James Morgan, at 720-203-0731 or visit my website at coloradoproperties.online. No catchy slogan, just a client-first, honest real estate experience. Hit it, girls.
Keep listening to the American Freedom Network. Howdy, pilgrims. I say that because that's something John Wayne would have said. Also because I want to talk about a holiday that's Shakespearean in its history of religious persecution, cultural clashes, and also about our ability to sum it all up with a simple phrase, pass the yams. I'm about to tell you the story of Thanksgiving. What even is Thanksgiving? For some, it's a chance to reflect on their blessings in a way that doesn't involve a brunch selfie or a hashtag. Maybe it's a cautionary tale for flightless birds. Think about it. Two top mascots of Thanksgiving, the turkey and the dead turkey. Learn to fly turkey or else dress formally like a penguin so eating you just seems impolite. To really understand Thanksgiving, we have to go back to the first one or at least that first festival that wasn't really called Thanksgiving, but there's a picture of it. Picture it didn't happen. Like any dysfunctional Thanksgiving meal, there was strife, cultural misunderstandings, and a looming threat of violence. But textbooks, like an irritated parent, have mostly just told us to shut up and eat. So we don't have to explain more stuff to our stupid kids. I'm not talking about yours, but I am talking about yours. A lot of us think it started with the arrival of the Mayflower, but that was preceded by the British explorer ships. I assume they were called the April Shower. They claimed the land for England because the natives didn't have what they considered the proper paperwork. It was a give and take relationship. They took possession of the land and gave the opportunity to eventually be mascots of sports franchises. When the Mayflower settlers landed years later in an abandoned village, they had a fresh water supply, stores of food, and fertile farmland, sort of like an Airbnb if you didn't have to get the owner's permission. And also your friends had killed the owners. Because before Starbucks made it about $14 lattes, this is what gentrification looked like. But those Plymouth settlers soon realized they were in way over their heads. The harsh winter and the fact that they were still British almost wiped them out completely. And that's when they encountered the Wampanoag people. Wampanoag in English means you're probably just going to call us Indians anyway. One Wampanoag named Squanto spoke fluent English and showed the settlers how to plant corn and hunt beaver. Although some of them refused to do the latter based on their strict religious aversion to double entendre. Many consider Squanto a hero for being so crucial to that bountiful harvest because we know that not all heroes wear capes. But back then they had a hard time recognizing that. Partly because a lot of people wore capes. But they did celebrate the harvest with a party. They ate things we no longer eat like seal and ugly ducklings. They ate the vegetables they had grown like corn and, well, mostly corn. The pilgrims made cranberry sauce in the shape of a can and had bibs built into their outfits and then ate so much food that they had to remove their belts and wear them on their hats. And of course, nobody's sure if they ate turkey, but I'm 100% sure they did not eat penguin. That would have been absurd. Some traditions live on today, like how the whole festival ended with everybody falling asleep watching a contest between eagles and bears. And maybe it wasn't even considered Thanksgiving at the time. And maybe it was rarely celebrated until it was made official much later due to wars and politicians. And maybe that's why it's customary to go to war over politics with family members during Thanksgiving dinner. But that won't keep your family from hating you. Because despite its problematic past, Thanksgiving is a holiday for coming together, spending time with people you love, and then eating enough food to help you forget that they may not always be people you like. So go back for seconds, even though we all know it's thirds, and fall asleep watching football, because you're going to need that energy later for when you have to throw punch someone at a Walmart for a $30 TV set. And this Thanksgiving, remember, getting where you are took a little luck and a lot of help. 
So try to be thankful for both. And no matter what somebody calls corn, try to get along with them anyway. Also, if you're a turkey, get yourself a tux. Bam, you're a penguin. Happy Thanksgiving, America. As 1360 continues to grow, we want to know what our listeners think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Give us your feedback. Go to 1360KHNC.com and hit the contact button and give us your thoughts. As the economy collapses, are you prepared to provide even basic essentials for your family? I teach Urban Survival Training course that arms you with hundreds of skills and hacks to keep you and yours going when everyone else gives up. Food and water are only the beginning. Call the Rev at 303-809-3343. That's 303-809-3343. You remember that Christmas a few years ago when you waited all night for old Sandy to show? Well, I heard the reason, and it just might be true. The whole bunch came down with a dang reindeer flu. Dancer and Prancer were febrile and snotty. Comet and Cupid went constantly potty. Dasher got schizo and thought he was Trigger. All Vixen's obsessions got bigger and bigger. By noon, Sandy knew they should find substitutes, so the cowboy elves went out searching recruits. When Sandy climbed up, it was like a bad dream. He stared down the lines of the substitute team. A bull moose, as old as the planks on the ark with a head as big as a hammerhead shark, stood hitched by a cow. Mrs. Sandy's, of course. Then next in the tugs was a Clydesdale horse. He was paired with an elk, whose antlers were crossed. An ostrich, a walrus, and an old albatross were harnessed in line. But the last volunteer was a blue heeler dog with only one ear. The team headed south, but where else could they go? By the time they hit Kansas, the tugs had gone slack, and all but the dog was now riding in back. Sandy was desperate. What on earth could he do? And then the lights of an airport hove into his view. Did they make it? You betcha. But here hangs the tale of how on that Christmas they stayed on the trail. See, a man in Alaska said right after dawn, a low-flying object passed over his lawn. He ran to the window up and threw up the sash and heard someone shouting, For Pete's sakes, don't crash! On budget, on thrifty, look out, Alamo. I didn't take out the insurance, you know. And you, number two, try harder, you're Avis. On dollar, on Hertz, rent a wreck. You can save us an extra day's charge if we make it by nine. Though the drop-off will cost us a bundle this time. Merry Christmas, yelled Sandy, but he was all smiles, because at least he'd signed up for unlimited miles. So that's how it happened, as best I recall, when it looked like that Christmas might not come at all. And the truth of the matter, we all owe a cheer to the Wichita office a rent a reindeer. This is Baxter Black from out there. This is Clay with Wagner Electric Company. We're out of Greeley. We're here to promote our Generac and Cummins standby generators and our service to the community with any electrical needs. We're located at 1517 2nd Avenue in Greeley, 970-800-3693. The biggest thing that we want to promote is that we set the standard and we're here to support you and your needs. 970-800-3693. Dare 
what you call a Beverly Hills billiard. I don't care what you call it. I ain't gonna cook it. Granny, the folks that live here for us must have found them pretty tasty. This here table was built just special for billiard. I don't care. Anything that looks that mean got a taste mean. Besides, it's too big to cook. Dig you a barbecue pit out back. No, sir. Mr. Drysdale give us a turkey. And I got the stuffing made. And by deeds, I want that turkey cleaned and dressed and no more foolishness. I'm sorry, Granny, I just can't do it. Maybe Jethro can. He ain't got acquainted with Herman like I have. Do what, Granny? Clean and dress a turkey. Can you do it? I reckon so. Well, get at it. It's back of the kitchen in that pen. Yes, ma'am. I declare, I never thought I'd see the day that Jed Clampett was scared to kill a turkey. Heaven help him if he ever meets up with a billiard. <laughs> hey, Granny, I got the turkey all cleaned and dressed. Catch you mean, I'm ready. Yes, Well, I did the best I could. I didn't have no clothes that would fit them. I borrowed them clothes from a little fella down the street. I think he's kind of cute myself. So does he. He even shook my hand. Everything is delicious. Marvelous dinner. Delightful. Herman and me sure like it, don't we, Herman? <laughs> By the way, Mr. Clampett, do you know you're eating on a billiard table? Yes, sir, I do. And next year, we gonna have us one of them rascals for Thanksgiving. I still say I ain't gonna cook it. My name is James with Milco Carpet Cleaning. I'm based out of Millican, serving all of northern Colorado. We're a family-owned company that will clean your carpets, upholstery, tile, and rugs. My goal is to freshen your home and business, leaving you dry and clean in no time with no residues. Mention this ad and receive $10 per room off, up to $50. You can call me at 970-405-3740 or email me at nococarpetcleaning at gmail.com. Don't forget to check out my reviews on Google. We're all familiar with the story of the first Thanksgiving when the pilgrims invited local Native Americans to share a meal with them. But we bet you didn't know Thanksgiving didn't become an annual tradition until more than 200 years later. That first Thanksgiving in 1621 wasn't just one big meal. It was a three-day festival of eating, hunting, and other entertainments in honor of the pilgrims' first successful harvest. The Indians killed five deer as gifts for the colonists. So venison was definitely on the first Thanksgiving menu. But we bet you didn't know that turkey was not. They also didn't have pumpkin pie or potatoes, which hadn't been introduced to New England yet. And while they may have eaten cranberries, they would have been served plain, not in a sauce or relish. 
The Pilgrims didn't plan on starting a Thanksgiving tradition. In fact, they didn't repeat the November celebration in subsequent years. In 1789, President George Washington announced the first ever national Thanksgiving holiday, which took place on Thursday, November 26th. But it didn't become an annual tradition nationwide until the 19th century. That's when an American writer named Sarah Josepha Hale, most famous for writing the nursery rhyme Mary Had a Little Lamb, was inspired by a diary of pilgrim life to recreate that first Thanksgiving feast. Beginning in 1827, Hale waged a nearly 30-year campaign to make Thanksgiving a national holiday. She also published recipes for pumpkin pie, turkey, and stuffing that probably didn't appear on the pilgrims' plates, but would become the staples of modern Thanksgiving meals. In 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln announced that the nation would celebrate Thanksgiving every year on the final Thursday in November. But did you know, in 1939, President Franklin D. Roosevelt decided to move the holiday up a week to give Depression-era retailers more time to make money during the pre-Christmas shopping season. The move was widely criticized, and in 1941, FDR signed a bill fixing Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday in November, where it stays today. One of the quirkiest Thanksgiving traditions began in 1989, when President George H.W. Bush granted the first official pardon to a turkey. Every November since then, the current Oval Office occupant has given a reprieve to one or two turkeys, sending them into retirement on a farm rather than to a dinner table. Though it only began in the late 20th century, the story has become one of the more unusual chapters in the long history of Thanksgiving traditions. Reasons to own gold. Reason number one. Culturally, the golden rule is treating others as you want to be treated. But financially, the golden rule is those that have the gold make the rules. When you retire, make sure you can write your rules. Call the Patriot Trading Group at 800-951-0592 or visit our website at allamericangold.com. Wow, this food is amazing, Mom. Yeah, it sure is. Yes, Mrs. Hauntis, the corn is very delicious. Well, I'm glad you like it, John. But again, our last name isn't Hauntis. Yeah, we don't have last names, John. (laughs) Oh, right. Sorry, I guess I messed up again. I guess you did. It's okay, John. You're doing fine. I'm just so nervous. I really want your family to like me. They do like you. (laughs) Would you excuse me for a sec? I just have to use the restroom. Oh, okay. John seems nice. He is, Mom. And thanks again for welcoming him to Thanksgiving dinner, even though he's... A pale face? Grandpa, that's not nice. You're being prejudiced. I'm not prejudiced. I just see that the pale faces are taking over. They're everywhere now. Uh, maybe cool it with the pale face talk, Dad. What? Can we... We can't say that now? So, so what are they called? I think just white people. White people? But they're not white. They're pale. Guys, stop it. He's going to hear you. Oh, phew. I guess my stomach was a little upset. I feel a lot better now. <laughs> Look, he didn't even wash. His hands are bone dry. <laughs> So, John, Pocahontas tells us you're turning 30 soon. Yep, yeah, a couple of weeks. And you do know she's 12, right? Yeah, I I do, I do. Oh, I I see. I I, I have an idea. Why don't we all go around the table and share something that we're thankful for? Oh, I love that idea. Well, I'm thankful for... I'll (laughs) start. I'm thankful for our land. 
and our great and mighty chief. And let's hope he finally builds that wall. <laughs> what? We need a wall. I heard those illegal settlers are coming over here with their diseases and guns, and we need to protect our borders. That's just so rude and offensive, Grandpa. Yeah, where'd you even hear a thing like that? Fox. <laughs> Grandpa, you gotta stop talking to that crazy old fox. He knows what's up. He makes a lot more sense than that lying peacock you talk to. You know what? It's okay. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. But exactly. Can we just have a nice Thanksgiving dinner without you bringing up politics? Fine by me. Yes. Please. You know what? I think I have to excuse myself again. Oh, sure. Okay, babe. Grandpa, you're being a bigot. Is John okay? That's the second time he's excused himself. Maybe because Grandpa keeps freaking him out. Or maybe because he's stealing from us. What? John doesn't steal. I'm just saying, since those illegals showed up, a lot of things have gone missing lately. Buffaloes, land. <laughs> but Grandpa, the pale, excuse me, white people have made some good contributions to our land. Oh, right, like those ugly blankets that are getting everybody sick. Who told you the blankets are getting people sick? The fox. <laughs> he knows what's up. He also said these illegals... Stop calling them illegals. They're just regular, hard-working people seeking refuge. And since when is it our job to take care of this world's problems? Okay, Dad, that's enough. Uh, hey, guys, I should maybe get going. Bone dry again. <laughs> John, please stay. Yeah, I'm sorry about my father. He's just a little old-fashioned. Oh, it's not that. I just think my stomach is having a hard time digesting this food. Uh, I saw some whole corn kernels in my stool, and I specifically remember chewing them all. Yeah, that happens to me, too. <laughs> me, too. Yeah, it's something about the skin on the corn. I think it doesn't break down. Oh. But that doesn't make sense because it's only some of them in my stool. Right. Like three or four. Yes, I saw exactly four just now in my stool. And I saw three yesterday. Wow. John, I, I guess we have a few things in common after all. Yeah, I guess so. Friends? friends. I'm not touching your hands. You just cracked twice and your hands are bone dry. Oh, sorry. Grandpa! Hi, folks. I'm Will Ferrell. And if you're anything like me, you know there's a lot of problems in this crazy, crazy sketch. I mean, white actors playing natives? What is this? 2014? But no matter what year it is, or what color we are, or whether we get our news from a fox or a peacock, 